You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast produced by Veteran Strategies and featuring conversations with fascinating and impactful men and women who have shaped our world, our communities, and our history. My name is Robert Vane, Principal of Veteran Strategies, and your host for our discussion. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, the law firm of Bose, McKinney, and Evans, and the Bose Public Affairs Group, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. You may find all your sales and rental equipment needs at McAllister.com. We are pleased to announce our podcast is now a member of the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You can find Leaders and Legends at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Thinking of starting a podcast or need to host a public meeting? Let Leaders and Legends LLC be your partner as you look for new ways to communicate your message. Please contact Chris Spangle or me at leadersandlegends.net. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guest today is your host, Robert Vane, as we look back at all of our podcasts in the delightful year known as 2020. My uh, interviewer, (laughs) he's going to grill me today, Chris Spangle, who without his knowledge and effort, this podcast would not happen. Chris, thank you very much for joining on the podcast and looking back at year 2020. Well, it's nice to be here again, and uh, to to grill you is is always good because you know you're a hard driving taskmaster. You're always beating me off air, and uh, no, just kidding. Well, Chris has Chris has hosted hundreds and hundreds more, thousands more podcasts than I ever have, and he is a, an expert. And he's an absolute joy. He's a great friend. He's a must follow on Facebook. <laughs> Look up Chris Spangle. And he's the meme king or czar. You're more of a czar. You've got a beard. You're a czar. Yeah. He's the meme czar. Uh, we're going to sit in my basement, a- sit in my basement with no shirt on with my, with my big wool hat, my furry hat, like a, like a czar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that I'd say as we talk about 2020 is, and even the room where this is being recorded in early January, um, our decision when the podcast started in February of 2019, our mutual decision not to make this a political podcast, I think has been vindicated. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, I mean, it's, it's, um, I think it is a great tool for uh, bringing people together in a way that you don't get elsewhere. I think it's very hard to do podcasting and broadcasting now and maintain friendships in, a, in an era that people are getting more and more divided. You know, our first podcast of last year was Mike McDaniel, Robin Winston, and, and Jim Shella. You know, and, and you and I, I was, I was executive director of the Libertarian Party of Indiana from 08 to 12. I think you worked for the, the state GOP at that time. You know, we've always been friendly. I have a lot of great Democrat friends uh, and, and Republican friends. And, you know, I find myself uh, getting along with the establishment these days better than I do my own people because it's just gotten to a point where nobody reads the same thing, nobody listens to the same thing, and that, that common history kind of gets lost. 
And one good thing about Leaders and Legends is that it tells a story that, you know, I, I, um, I was talking to, to Ray Dabney, who works for, uh, who is the executive director of PUP, People for Urban Progress. And she worked for Bill Crawford. And I said, oh, yeah, Bill Crawford, have you ever heard of the city committee? And we had this whole conversation about the city committee and how impactful that was for the city of Indianapolis and guiding it to where it was. And I only knew that because of this this podcast. And she told me a bunch of great stories about Bill Crawford, you know, and, you know, it's it's that kind of common thread and common connection that Leaders and Legends brings to the city of Indianapolis. And we've talked a little bit about doing a podcast on his career. We should probably revisit that. Oh, yeah. And also on Julia Carson, who I've I've actually tried to put that together a few times and haven't had any luck. But, you know, things went a little haywire, uh, to say the least, in 2020. So, you know, that's on the list. In the IBJ story that Lindsay did a few months ago, a few weeks ago maybe, on the podcast, I, I said the – I'm a Republican who has a podcast. It's not a Republican podcast. Yeah. And I've had some pushback on that. And the people who push back get pushed back. Specifically when you have Rob Kendall and I on. <laughs> well, that was that was the darkest day. <laughs> I, I get it. I, like, But yeah. they have. But but the podcast is meant to be. And I tell people this when I ask them to come on. It's it's three words. Informative, entertaining and comfortable. Yeah. And the rigidity of modern politics uh, isn't going to get in the way of interesting stories and terrific people. We did the impromptu podcast about the career of Joe Kernan. And, you know, if, if this podcast was somehow rigidly political or partisan, we wouldn't be able to do that. And that was a terrific podcast. Yeah, this has been, I mean, for me, I would have considered myself an extremist for a long time. I mean, obviously, you know, not not uh, a crazy person by any means, but somebody who, as a libertarian, like, and, like, darn near an anarcho-capitalist, uh, sitting across the table and listening to the stories of people that I was critical of when I worked for the Libertarian Party and hearing their motivations and hearing why they saw it the way that they did has been extremely in uh, like in, influential in how I view things now versus how I view things then. And I think that's the good thing about podcasting is that you're not going to really get the sense of a person or their story or where they're coming from in a 600-word article, you know, and y you you get a sense of a a project and a person in a way that you don't get uh, in, in print or in, really in local media. I mean, it's very difficult, and I'm not bagging on the on the media because I love journalism. It's just very difficult now because journalism, the budgets are so tight to really follow a story and get in depth in the way that I think most journalists would like. And that's where podcasting can really come in and kind of tell that story. And Leaders and Legends has done a great job of of doing that, you know, and it's been a great education for me, and I'm sure a lot of the other listeners who who are out there listening go, "Oh, wow, okay, I never thought like that person views it this way, or here's how this thing happened, and here's why we have the sports strategy." I mean, that's probably the thing. I was always very critical of the CIB. Um, I still 
don't necessarily agree with a lot of that stuff and the, and the sports strategy, but I totally understand it. I totally see the benefit of it. I see the 41,000 jobs and the importance of it. Um, and, and the pandemic has probably brought that home more than anything. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting thing too, is it's, it's been really hard to do the podcast through the pandemic. I mean, it, in some ways it's easier because we're not lugging equipment and, you know, going out and meeting people, which was a ton of fun, you know, but there's the downside of that is you're not having those conversations off air and kind of, you know, meeting people and really connecting. I mean, so it's, it's been a little different doing it this way than, than we did previously. To your point about finding out more about the city, thought one of the very first ones that we published was it was in last March and it was about Bill Hudnut Mm -hmm. and to talk to Joe Slash and Lisa Dietrich and Dave Arland about Hudnut's impact on the city his vision for the city and how he you know he was obviously left a pretty significant uh, win series of wins by Mayor Richard Luger but but Hudnut's champ cheerleading and champion of the notion of a city, I thought really came through in that podcast. And there's a lot of stories being written, including locally about the Republican problem in the cities. And to the extent that cities could prosper through Republican mayors, I, I think Indianapolis is proof of that, but it was such a different time Hudnut was mayor from 75 until 91. But just to hear the inside workings of the Colts coming here or or the response to the blizzard of 78. And I remember Dave Arlen making the point about how the fact that we have so few local banks now Mm. that we had a lot more local Indiana, Indianapolis based banks back then who are willing to invest. And now it's just different. It just shows you how time marches on and then you want things to be stable, you just can't stop modernization, whether that's economic or in terms of technology. And I don't know that anyone left their city better than Hudnut did Indianapolis. Yeah. I, first, uh, on globalization, I mean, you take something like, you know, death, deaths in a city and, and people are quick to blame a mayor, you know, where you go, all right, there's a lot of global forces that are are crushing a city and, and a, and a mayor and a city council only can do so much. I think you sort of hear that throughout this podcast and you hear that because you're talking to people who are insiders. A lot of times, you know, when you're in PR, you've been around media. You've been the guy that when the media talks to you, you give the best spin on it. You know, you're, you're giving your side of the story, but you're not getting, you're not getting all the story. Right. So when you listen to Joe slash and, you listen to uh, you know the, them talk about what it was like to be in those rooms and those decisions that's why i love the interviews with people like mcdaniel winston you know mike riley kathy davis some of these people who are on out of politics out of active life currently and they're doing something differently there there's not that pressure to kind of like paint it up because there's not going to be any like consequences in the immediate and that's the cool thing about that that podcast specifically and, and some of those interviews is that you hear it unvarnished because it happened 20 years ago. And you you get a different perspective that's a lot, you know, that maybe wasn't 
pe- people might be surprised by that because they had only heard the best version from the Spin Meisters like Robert Bain. That's a compliment, I think. <laughs> One of the first people we talked to, we posted in 2020, was our podcast with Mike Riley, uh, who has now uh, left us, unfortunately. Uh, we recorded it at the McGinley's Golden Ace through the help of the uh, warm and fuzzy Ed Tracy. And it was an absolute joy to talk to someone who worked, who got plucked out of the Young Democrats to work on what is probably, I would say, the most famous presidential campaign in the history of the state of Indiana. Easily. I mean, Barack Obama's in 2008 was, was its, its, its own thing. I think, as I recall, he ended up losing Indiana, didn't he? Didn't Clinton win? Didn't Hillary win Indiana? I will look that up. Believe, but, yeah, I'll check. But Riley ran a victorious campaign that was seminal for Kennedy's run until he was assassinated in June of '68. And the stories he was telling about paying people and organization and just the Kennedy machine are things that you only really know if you read books, but to have him in the room talking to us about it, I thought was terrific. Yeah. I, I loved, uh, hearing him like talk about the phone calls <laughs> with Kennedy and kind of the behind the scenes stuff. And what was cool about that is when we went to Browning, you, and that's one of the cool things that maybe you can talk about is the threads through all these different stories between the different people. You know, so you talk to Mike Riley, and the next week we go talk to Michael Browning, and then you relate something back to 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 Riley, and he tells a great story about that entire primary that maybe you want to share. Right. So we talked to Michael Browning, who's one of the great civic leaders in our city, and has been for the last few decades for sure. Michael Browning was at was a student at Notre Dame. Robert Kennedy's first speech in Indiana, I believe, was at Notre Dame in April, May, June, the spring of 68. Michael Browning was charged with finding a car for Robert Kennedy to ride in. Now, we had just interviewed Mike Riley, campaign manager for Robert Kennedy. And I don't, people have to realize in 1968, in the United States, Robert Kennedy was easily one of the three or four most prominent Americans. Easily. Him, Elvis, Joe Namath, I mean, a couple more. You'd have to read books about Kennedy in that era to understand how, what a, what a towering figure he was. And so Michael Browning was charged, I think it was a Chrysler dealership. And he had to go find a car for Kennedy to ride in and Browning found one and he relayed the story that he didn't think, I think he was interning at the dealership at the time. Yeah. And he was scared they wouldn't take the car back because it was so damaged by all the people banging on it, trying to touch Robert Kennedy. Right. And I knew that his speech was there. I didn't know the Browning connection, but obviously Riley and Browning, you know, they were, they ran in the same kind of democratic political circles. 
And then Browning also tells the story on the day he graduated from Notre Dame, his mother hands him his induction notice. Yeah. And then he goes to Vietnam. Yeah, and like Riley had told it a story about how th- that speech with that car, you know, he had, he had, he was delayed and it had caused some issue. And the, I mean, it was just, it's such a great little thread that you kind of hear, you listen to the whole podcast, you, you can hear almost people put one, say one thing and then you hear that picked up in another episode that's really fascinating but how how cool would it be to to close your eyes or or be driving or riding in an airplane and be able to close your eyes and and visualize and recall the conversations you had one-on-one with robert kennedy (laughs) with how robert kennedy needed you and praised you for your help and riley's they had a lifelong relationship with the Kennedys. Isn't that one of the coolest things about getting involved in local politics? And I've heard you say this before, like get involved in local politics because it's so beneficial. Well, you just meet, you're able to do amazing things just through proximity to power, even if you don't have it. I mean, the fact that I worked for Greg Ballard meant that when the guardian's home in Irvington closed down, I could take him the article and say, we have to do something about this. This this building can't sit empty in the heart of Irvington. And Greg Ballard, in true Greg Ballard fashion, looked at me and goes, "We'll do something about it." And I walked to Kariga Roush's office and said, "Look, let's figure out a way to make this something because this is this is too much, too valuable, too much of an opportunity to miss." And now it's the Irvington School High School, and it's amazing. It's amazing, but you're just that close to it. Not only that. You also have the opportunity to meet great people in, in the, psych, the psychotic nature of modern politics at the federal level doesn't diminish that fact. Yeah. I mean, we've had so many Democrats on the podcast who or done a podcast with, with them, kind of a Democratic theme, whether it was Birch Bayh or Andy Jacobs, uh, Joe Kernan. I'd love to do one on the career of Frank O'Bannon. We're putting together one on the career of Bob Orr, a Republican governor. Um, you know, we'd love to have Mayor Hogsett on. Uh, he was he had agreed to come on, but you know, was uh, OBE as they say in the military. But 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 if you're going to close off that avenue, that 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 part of your brain, that channel, then you just miss out. And it doesn't mean that you you give up your foundational principles. I mean, I have plenty of friends who disagree with me on 90% of the thing. And that's just okay. Because the more you're around them, you understand that that's their belief system and they actually believe it. And you can still have lunch with them and you can still talk about sports with them. And that's, that's so much that's been missing these days. Treating people like they're human beings. (laughs) It's a lost art. But, But you know, you mentioned the one we did with McDaniel and Winston. They are great friends. That was a terrific podcast. That was so fun. Yeah, because because as Indiana State Democratic Chairman Robin Winston had the same problems that Mike McDaniel had as Chairman of the Indiana Republican. You know what was so funny about that is, as a former executive director of a state party, like they were talking, and I identified with all of the stuff they were saying. Like, uh, 
you know, a county chair calling and hyperventilating about this or that, or you've had, you know, the, the fighting, you know, here in central Indiana, the people up north always get mad that the state party's not doing enough for them. Like, it, it is, it's funny to hear, like, those common threads. I mean, to to your point, we did a Super Bowl retrospective. I mean, if you're Mark Miles and you go back to Mark Miles at North Central High School and go, look at all the things that you're going to get to do and be a part of, uh He'd go, well, heck yeah, I'm going to work on this campaign and stuff some envelopes as a as a college freshman, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he said that. He said that he started in the Luger campaign in 74. We had Mark Miles, Mel Raines, and from the Indiana Pacers, and um, Mayor Greg Ballard on to talk about how Indianapolis won the Super Bowl bid. And, and to be Mark Miles, who was a podcast guest on his own, along with, he did it with Eugene White, the IPS superintendent at the time, but to walk into a room of 32 billionaires and make the case for our city, what was that? I mean, he did a great job talking about it, but, but what's that like when you walk in? I mean, I've sweated like crazy just on a job interview to make five bucks an hour. Like, how do you walk into a place like that and be so utterly convincing and cool and, and formidable? You know, and he was, as I'm sure Dr. White was as well. But, and I think I've said this on other podcasts. I've asked the question in 1978, if I was to tell you that in 30 years, 33 years, Indianapolis not only would host a Super Bowl, but completely redefine what it meant to host a Super Bowl, you would have said, and the answers we all get are no way. Right. No way, which tells you where Indianapolis was right about the time the dome was built in 83, 84, and what it was like before then, the transformation of the city. That certain big events are just inconceivable that it would have happened here, which is ironic because the world's biggest single day event happens here every year. Yeah, right. The the Indy 500 is... It makes Speedway like the 17th largest city in the world or the country or something. <laughs> um, so this year, you know, our last in-person uh, podcast we was uh, Chris Baggett. And then, um, you know, we've really done all the rest with the exception of Johnny Rutherford and um, – Trying, I'm blanking on the the other one, but we've only uh, Tony Mason. We've only done two since during COVID in person. I mean, did did Zoom doing the interviews on Zoom kind of change things? You've interviewed a lot of different people than you did the first year. I mean, people like Ray Tolbert or Dave Lindquist, or um, you know, it also helped get people like Todd Young and Donnie Walsh and and some other people's. But how how has uh, doing it on Zoom kind of changed the way that you've done the show or book guests? Well, it's made it easier to get guests who don't live here because the familiarity has, has grown exponentially. When we first, we did a few by phone, our podcast with Gene Cady, who was a terrific guest, who I just happened to bump into at the Cityway YMCA. Like, I literally turned the quarter, walked into him almost, because... Purdue was here for the Big Ten tournament, which eventually was canceled due to the Rona. And I stuck my hand out when we used to do that and said, may I shake your hand even though you've made me cry many times, 
which obviously marked me as an IU fan. And he very gruffly with a big smile on his face goes, you've made me cry too. And I'm like, yes, coach Katie, Robert Vane has made you cry (laughs) as I was cheering from the couch. And I got a big laugh out of it. You know, I reached out to Haley Colombo, who used to be a reporter uh, here in Indianapolis. She's still a reporter, but used to be here. Now I believe she's in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Her uh, husband, Nathan, covered Purdue basketball and said, you know, I had this opportunity. I'd love I mentioned to him coming on my podcast. He said he would, but I don't have any way of getting a hold of him. And, you know, I got his contact information and I asked and he was terrific. What a great guy. And, you know, like most IU fans, I think we're big fans. However much we loathe Purdue, we still like Gene Cady, right? Yeah. Like we still acknowledge his, his skill. Uh, we did that one by phone. That was a little tougher. But as Zoom became more uh, prevalent and people got used to it, the only thing is, you know, you get the, we don't get to take the picture. Um, it's harder to see the verbal clues or when someone's trying to think. Uh, but on the same time, what I've been able to talk to Greg Renoff, who wrote the book Van Halen Rising, uh, which is timely with uh, Eddie Van Halen's death a few months ago, uh, or or Brooke Simpson, who's legitimately the world's expert on Ulysses S. Grant, Harold Holzer, who's legitimately the world's greatest expert on Abraham Lincoln. I mean, that sort of comfort level has allowed us to reach to folks who ordinarily we wouldn't have. Clint Hill, who we just posted a few weeks ago, the Secret Service agent for John F. Kennedy in Dallas in November of 63. So Zoom takes away a little bit of the the interaction, but at the same time, it broadens your possible guest list more than you could have ever imagined. Yeah, so you've, you're doing less local, it seems like you're doing more history. Is that intentional? I mean, there's a lot of sports people, too, where you're just like, it's 2020, I can't do politics anymore, I've, I've got to do something else. Well, we were very lucky, you know, uh, United States Senator Todd Young, reached, you know, his, his staff reached out to us to say, hey, look, he'd love to do it. I had mentioned it to him before, but, you know, he's a United States Senator. He's got a million things to do. And so, you know, it's not the easiest thing to carve out an hour for, for an East Side kid on the Leaders and Legends podcast, but he did. That was very kind of him. I just want to make sure that I give the audience a broad spectrum of interests and not be pigeonholed one way or the other Republican Democrat. I want to have diversity. We, we did a terrific podcast with Danielle Shockey uh, with opera singer, Angela Brown. Mm. It's one of the first ones we did in 2020. She was amazing. Uh, the one we did with uh, Tony Mason of the urban league and Brian Payne uh, about uh, that, that was recorded right after, the riots downtown and, and what happened in Minnesota was a terrific conversation. And you know what? Those sorts of conversations aren't necessarily what the podcast will do, but because of the audience we've built up and the brand we have, I think it, these are the sorts of podcasts that we can do and add to a conversation, no matter what the subject that needs to happen. Same with the veterans day podcast we did with uh, judge Serto, Brian Alvey, where we had, a lot of discussion about how do veterans get help? How can we help them? And while I want the conversations that we have to be, you know, a little lighter, perhaps most of the time, there's certainly room for us to, to be helpful. Yeah. I mean, you take someone like Angela Braley, 
um, you know, or, or even even I mean, no, Indie Maven is not necessarily a nonprofit. I mean, they're uh, they're a journalism outlet, but they have a mission to reach out reach out to women. I mean, there is a, a nice variety and expansion into other places that you've done this. Elaine Beadle. You know, another one, you know, trying to go after. And I think the Girl Scouts have been really good as a couple of, well, nearing middle-aged white guys. Uh, I'll, I'll induct you in there. Like, <laughs> you know, the Girl Scouts have been great in kind of helping broaden that horizon and say, hey, have you thought about this person? Have you thought about that person? And I think that's been that's been extremely helpful in the way that, it, you know, from my outside perspective, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it seems like the Girl Scouts relationship really helps go after some of those folks who are doing something differently than than you might be attracted to initially. Well, and we have Marianne Glick right. coming up from the Glick Foundation. We have Allison Barber, uh, CEO of the Indiana Fever, coming up. We have Sarah Taylor, former Marion County clerk and my good friend who now runs the Hoosier Lottery, uh, still coming up. And so we want to do more of those, as a matter of fact. And Danielle and, and Dina Potter from the Girl Scouts have been terrific. Uh, the one thing that I w- want to say is that our we have so many more people yet to talk to. <laughs> we have a lot of people who said, yeah, I'll do it. I'd really like to do it, but let's... Um, Let's get something scheduled in a few months because people are busy, but we haven't come close to uh, exhausting the Indianapolis slash Indiana part of leaders and legends. And one of the things that's been helpful is as we've talked to some of these historians, whether it's Edward Larson, who wrote a terrific book on Washington and Franklin or David and Jeannie, Heidler, who wrote the book, best-selling book on Andrew Jackson. I want to talk to more of these folks because history is still big in this country, and I think it's getting bigger. I think people are reading more about the past because the future is so, or excuse me, the present is so infuriating. Well, I think James Madison, I mean, in the 20s clan, I mean, there are echoes of some of that stuff, and that's a, a, a part where you you look back at the history of Indiana and you sort of go, man, there's parts of us that are just not all that different from three generations ago, you know, or you hear amazing stories in Lynn Vincent and Sarah Vladek's book about the USS Indianapolis, about heroism and bravery, and you see that strain in people today. I mean, it, there's that's the beauty of history is you see yourself, you see your community and your society in it. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, the law firm of Bose, McKinney, and Evans, and the Bose Public Affairs Group, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. We are doing a 2020 retrospective, Chris Spangle and me. I have to admit, though, of, of the podcast we did in person in 2020, and we really only did a handful, it was an absolute joy to be there with Johnny Rutherford. <laughs> and we we got him through Donald Davidson, who was a podcast guest of ours last year and did a terrific job. Chris is, an, a, race, Chris is a racing fan. He used to work at IMS. 
I am an okay racing fan who kind of grew up in that golden era of the Indianapolis 500 of the 70s and 80s. But for Johnny Rutherford to take an hour out of his time to talk to us was just a treat. And he was a terrific guest. He could not have been nicer. Um, And he let us do it in person out at the Speedway. What do you remember from that podcast? What what did you really take away? I think about this more often than is probably normal, but I, I mean, I was thinking about this last week. He literally never entertained the idea that he could die. I mean, and he must have mentioned it a couple times, and he's very quick when he would say, you know, it just wasn't something that you think about. You wouldn't consider it. Like, he wouldn't let his mind go there. He he was, he shut out the possibility, and if any of that crept in, he would beat it out of his mind. I mean, it was just very obvious that he had never... You know, and as a person who overthinks about most things, it was just like, oh, wow, that's a great lesson that you've just got to go. I'm just not going to even entertain this possibility because that's the thing that's going to stop me. I mean, it was great. The and other, he's a, And he's a guy who saw his friends die. It, it, right. I mean, when you asked him, I mean, the um, the little short period of him talking about Eddie Sachs passing was one of the most gripping parts of this entire podcast, one of the most gripping parts of storytelling of any podcast I've been involved with. I mean, you just, it's like a driveway moment. You're sitting there listening to him recount this. And I don't know how many times he's told the story, but it just was, uh, it was just, I hope the listener could feel sort of what I felt as I sat next to him telling that story. I mean, he he's, and you know, you, you, Sort of go, well, Johnny Rutherford, I mean, how's he, he's going to take an hour and a half out of his day to do the podcast, but he's like so many people who, um, you know, he was really gracious. I'm not saying he didn't seem like he didn't want to do it, but I think in, in our minds, we're like, wow, we're going to take an hour to, you know, of his time. He's super famous and all that. He had the best time. He loved it. He had a great time talking about it, you know, and that's the, the fun thing is seeing people kind of enjoy telling their stories you know, Michael Browning really sticks out in that respect where he really enjoyed talking about his accomplishments and, and his experiences. And I think that comes from you doing a great job of, you know, coaxing that out of them. You know, you, you talk about childhood, you talk about things that the interview guest likes, and then they're more comfortable talking about the things that are, that are more, you know, it, it's part of that comfortable part that you talked about. Well, and Browning, Michael Browning went into detail in his service in Vietnam and, and, you know, how he built his business without people like Michael Browning cities like Indianapolis just don't thrive. And right after we talked to Michael Browning, Notre Dame grad, we talked to Jeff Smolian, USC grad about Indianapolis. And he said this, it, it's just amazing that there, it, and other cities too, right? But Indianapolis just has this class, this group, this cohort of people who, whose investment in the city with their time and their money, without them, we're, we're not who we are. Yeah. That's, you know, in the old days, it's a P.E. McAllister, obviously, but, but a Jim Morris and a Jeff Smolian and a Michael Browning and Bill Mays and Yvonne Shaheen and uh, Jerry Simler, who I'd love to have on the podcast, Al Hubbard, Fred Klipsch. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Ted Bohm. Yeah, Ted, uh, David Frick. But we, we just say, like, without these guys and gals, but without these folks, we're just not where we are. And it's interesting to listen to them 
detail inflection points where we could have done X, but instead we did Y and Y was the right decision. And now look what happened. Yeah. Going after the Pan Am games in 87, basically a last minute. And Mark Miles and Hubbard and and, uh, Ted Bohm talked about that, or excuse me, uh, in the Hudnut podcast. That put Indianapolis on the map internationally in a way that had never happened before. And I don't think it gets enough credit. And that's one of the things that came out of the discussion was people don't understand how important the Pan Am games were to Indianapolis's international reputation. Well, they, that gives me fresh context to like the NCAA's decision to hold it in May because you now realize because of those conversations how important downtown is, how many jobs are tied to it, and how tough this past year has been for downtown. And then all of those people that are going to come in for March Madness. And it's going to be great to see downtown packed again, as much as it drives me crazy when I'm on my bike on the cultural trail, (laughs) but it just, it makes a huge difference. And and downtown is just dreary. Has there been a thing in any of these interviews like me with, with Rutherford thinking about that, that lack of a possibility that just kind of has stuck with you that is just pops up in your brain and one of these conversations that you've had over the last year? Well, Clint Hill the secret service agent, obviously, I mean, I don't know that we could ever find another guest who was so involved in such a momentous day in American history. Like I couldn't think of some, I mean, there's, there's a couple of guests that I'm I'm trying to get, which names I won't mention uh, who were involved uh, in days that we would all recall. But like, Clint Hill, I, I would say was the most the car, the most when, seen person, most famous person that everybody has seen a photo of that nobody knows his name. Yeah, that's right. Everyone has seen the Zapruder film, or they've seen that awful movie JFK, or they've watched a documentary about that day, or seen the pictures, and there he is, literally, just just a few feet away from the murdered president of the United States and his his weeping widow and then to have to go deal with the the scene at the hospital to have to tell robert kennedy you know he didn't tell him that the president was dead as i recall clint hill's comment to robert kennedy was it's as bad as it can get Hmm. and the person who actually called robert kennedy and told him the president had been shot was j edgar hoover Hmm which is incredibly rich in irony considering Kennedy and Hoover Hoover hated the Kennedys, especially Robert Kennedy. Right. And, and Hoover called him at uh, Kennedy's house is known as Hickory Hill, his estate in Virginia. Kennedy answered the phone. Hoover says, your brother's been shot. I don't know anymore. And you just hung up on him. (laughs) Wow. And so the candidate, so Robert Kennedy's frantically trying to find out more information. That's how he's trying to get a hold of Clint Hill because he knew Clint was closest to the president. Mm. And the one thing I didn't go down the conspiracy road, of course, but but I knew enough about that day to know that the shooting of the president was not a federal crime. Right. And so you had that scene at the hospital where the Texas police are saying he can't leave, and the Secret Service are saying yes, he can. And there were legit first-person accounts uh, detailed later that, like, there's going to be a gun battle here in the, <laughs> in the 
in Parkland Hospital over the body of the dead president. And then I don't think I asked Clint about this, but I knew, I think Clint had to go by the casket. I think that's right. But the casket was too wide, so they had to rip the handles off of it because they couldn't get it into Air Force One. Hmm. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's a terrible tragedy that then gets compounded by these unforeseen, unplanned for circumstances that just make it worse. And so listening to Clint talk about that day, I think is the closest we're ever going to get to something, to talking to someone who was intimately involved in an event that big in American history. I think the other thing I would say is as, as far as people whose, whose knowledge impressed me so much would have been Harold Holzer, who's the uh, Lincoln historian and the historical advisor to the movie Lincoln. I mean, to just, to just be that immersed in his subject matter to be the expert sought after by Steven Spielberg when I'm making this movie, that was a real treat for me as a history nut. I enjoyed uh, Jim Voiles because that is a name that I've heard a million times, but had no photo in my brain of him or any conception of who he was or what he's done, but it was really interesting to, and Pete Ward is sort of that same way too, where um, you, you, this person has been instrumental in so many of the stories that you have witnessed, and now you get to hear their story a little bit. Jim Voiles was terrific. Uh, we've talked several times since then. He's funny. He was at the 68 convention in Chicago where the Democrats had their meltdown, much like the one the Republicans just had uh, last week in Washington, D.C. Uh, he's, he, he's been involved in so many high-profile cases, um, it was really fun to talk to him again. A hat tip to Ed Tracy. He's the one who said, Hey, you need to talk to this guy. Um, and Pete Ward, I had Pete Ward's podcast had the single biggest reaction, positive reaction than any podcast we did in 20. Really? And he's the CEO of the, the Colts. We should say he started out with the Colts as an intern when they right. were in Baltimore. Um, especially on LinkedIn and some other social media, I had more positive comments, more likes, more loves, however you want to say it, more shares than anybody else. And that tells you what people think of Pete Ward in this city and what he's done. Okay. So it was, it was people who knew Pete who were, what, what was, was it people who knew Pete, I should say, or was it, you know, they love that episode so much. They love the man. You got to figure him. Pete's been here 26 years. No. 36 years, yeah. 36 years, uh, his impact on the city, his reputation as being someone who cares about getting things done, uh, positivity, generosity really came through, I think in the podcast. And it was very kind of him to talk to me as a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, he didn't necessarily throw it in my face that the Colts have won a Super Bowl uh, since the Dolphins have, he was incredibly gracious and, you know, guys like Pete Ward, you know, look at look at Bill Benner, who we've talked to a couple of times. 
uh, or talked to one of our very first podcasts, these folks just make such a positive impact in ways that never make the media. And that's not a criticism of the media. It's just, it, it's, it's quiet because that's how they operate. And you're not going to find many people who are more impactful and less interested in claiming credit than Pete Ward. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so when you look at the next year, I mean, who knows what happens with COVID or where, where, you know, I think the conventional wisdom is that by the end of the year, we may be back to, to mostly normal. Um, how do you, how, how are you thinking about the next year and what are you looking to do? Are, are there any themes that you're thinking about? You know, what, what does the next year look like for leaders and legends? Well, we have a great lineup of folks already set for 2021. And then, you know, I every once in a while I just hear a name and I'll be like, you know, let me reach out to them. One of the good things is these authors have web pages or they have co-authors who have web pages. And so reaching out to them has been um, hit or miss. But some folks have been absolutely all about it. And, and other people just don't respond or they, they don't have time or they're not ready. I've had a few people say, I've actually got a book coming out in about six months. Get back to me then. Hmm. So, you know, I look forward to that. Uh, but, you know, our mix of, of historians, of government officials, of, of nonprofit leaders, that's where especially uh, Danielle shines, um, business leaders, I'd like to keep that mix. I like it. And, of course, I love the sports uh, we talked to Mark, uh, Mark Monteith, longtime Indianapolis star writer. He was wonderful. Michael Opresti, who's covered literally hundreds of big events, whether that's masters, final fours, super bowls, world series. I mean, it's, in, we didn't have near enough time to talk to him about everything that he's seen in person in, in the arena or, you know, on the 18th green, um, as a Notre Dame fan, it was a huge treat to talk to Reggie Brooks and Chris Zorich who prospered when when Notre Dame came back from a early 1980s abyss. Um, I'd like to keep a really good mix. We have a podcast coming up with Marlon Jackson, who famously intercepted Tom Brady uh, when the Colts were on their way to winning uh, their Super Bowl here in Indianapolis. Uh, I want people to be surprised a little bit. Not every podcast is going to be as popular as the next, but we still have a lot of stories to tell about this city and this state. That's always going to be my focus, but to be able to indulge my love of history by talking to these historians now that, now that speaking on podcasts is kind of the norm, right? Uh, it's a huge, it's a huge treat for me. And I know you're a history nut too, Chris. So, you know, you, I hope you find them enjoyable. I am. I love it. I mean, I remember the first like couple months that we did this, I went to half price books and bought like every Indiana history book. I'm like, Oh, so this is that or person that I've heard a lot about, you know, it's like, <laughs> there, there's so many great stories here to tell. And that's been one of the cool things is not just local history, which I think there's a huge, huge hole, a huge gap that this fills. But I love, you know, hearing, the, the history, even things like um, David Edmonds and Bobby Fischer goes to war, you know, the not not a book that I would probably pick up, but like spending an hour listening to that, hearing the significance of Bobby Fischer, you know, it was fascinating. I love history because it's just so informative. 
Well, now with the popularity of the Queen's Gambit TV sh- or uh, Netflix series, isn't it on Netflix? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, chess is. I've read two or three articles that it's it's a boom again. Like chess sets and chess clocks and books rocketed up Amazon, which spin back, you know, forty some years ago. That's what Bobby Fischer did for chess in this country. I was a, all of us at school 78 and how high school and tech and school 27 and Munster and all those schools in Indiana where chess became huge in the late seventies, early eighties, were all the benefit of the Fisher chess boom. And not only is it a book about chess, it's a brilliant book about the cold war yeah. and how every single endeavor was an aspect of cold war competition. It's the reason why the 1980 victory on Washington's birthday, four to three, the United States over the Soviet Union, besides the massive upset it was just in terms of relative skill. But in the context of the Cold War, it just made it that much bigger. Just like Bobby Fischer's victory over the Soviet Boris Spassky. If you didn't, if you didn't live through the Cold War or you haven't studied the Cold War, it was the rock, paper and scissors of everything. Right. Any decent reading of the Civil War movement, excuse me, of the Civil Rights Movement of the 50s and 60s in the context of the Cold War will tell you how the Soviets, every time the United States talked about the oppressive Soviet society, the Soviets would be like, look at how you treat black people. Right. How can you possibly make criticize us for what we do in our country? You don't, you have black people who can't even vote, even though the law says they can. Right. And the Cold War just just factored into everything and dr edmonds's book about bobby fisher brought that out really well well one of the most common questions is how do you do a podcast (laughs) right like you get asked that all the time now that now that you've gotten uh some pretty good traction with leaders and legends and you're and you're really out there that leads us to kind of the the final topic here and that is starting the llc I didn't know anything about doing a podcast. The idea for the leaders, the idea for me doing a podcast came from Rachel Coverdale, my wonderful friend. And she thought I should do a podcast on public relations. I think that was the initial um, suggestion. And um, I said, no, I said, look, there's plenty of those. I know there's folks out there doing that. That wouldn't necessarily be my thing. But I said, if I was going to do one, I'd like to do one where I could interview people about their careers and their lives and so on and so forth. And she said, that's great. No one's doing that. And so, you know, we got lucky, you know, of course, mayor Ballard's going to be the first one. And, and we've had some amazing guests. I'm still, I'm still humbled every time someone says, yeah, I'll take an hour and talk to you or an hour and a half, however long it is. Uh, But it has led to a conversation. Podcasts are popular. They're hot for lack of a better term, Uh, you've been involved in them for much longer than I have. And when the idea of a podcast was sent my way, I think you were the first person I called. Mostly, I think Abdul refused to answer my call. So then I called you. He's he's very busy trying to break into (laughs) Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and so over time, I started to get more emails about, you know, how do you do your podcast? You know, what's the equipment I need? How do you, how do you promote it? That sort of thing. How do you get your guests? And so I pitched an idea to Chris, 
Chris Spangle, who's my co-host today, to like let's 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 form let's take this out a little bit more. Let's see if there's actual opportunity there. And so Chris and I, with the help of uh, Bose McKinney and Evans, one of our sponsors, created Leaders and Legends LLC, and it's an organization that Chris and I are involved in that aspires to help people start, maintain, and promote a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've done podcasting since 2007, uh, and this has been... I feel sorry for the person who asks me how to do a podcast because three hours later, they're always <laughs> regretting it. Uh, you know, I have I work by day for Bob and Tom show, and that's my, my main gig. But there is uh, so many, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that come up and ask, how do you do this? And, and at a certain point, you go, well, you know, maybe I should charge for this advice. Uh, and, you know, you've pushed me to really to do that and, and to be a partner in it. And uh, that's a big reason why. I mean, I enjoy helping people set this kind of thing up. I mean, it's it's easy for me and I've done it for so many years. I mean, I I credit my podcasting passion to my talk boy. Uh, if you've seen Home Alone, I had a talk boy and I, I've just ever since then, I'm like, how can I connect the talk boy to the stereo system? And, and I've grown up in, involved in you know, technology and radio. And I, and I just really enjoy this and I love helping people. And we've already signed a couple clients and uh, had great conversations with them. And I met with your friend, Samantha Lamar yesterday. We had a great conversation about what they're doing in Carmel and what they want to start. And, you know, that conversation, for instance, wasn't just how do I start a podcast so I can get people listening to me when you start a podcast it's about building a community around that piece of content and that's the cool thing about podcasting is it's not sort of flat like a television show like do you feel that you have a relationship with your favorite youtube star but with podcasting you really like build a relationship with the people that you listen to you feel like your friends and you start to build a community out of that that can really help an organization, it can help a business, it can, you know, in my case, it's the core of my friend group. It's how I met my girlfriend through my my podcast called The Chris Spangle Show. And it's just been uh, so much fun. Like, there's a lot of work to it. I mean, there, there. Robert can attest to this. It, it becomes somewhat of a part-time job, and you really put a lot of work and effort into a podcast but the rewards that you get out of it are so fulfilling. And, and what I want to help people do, what Robert and I want to help people do is I've done this since 2007. I spent 30, 40 grand over the course of those many years. I've made every mistake possible. And I want to help people not make those same mistakes and just get started quicker and and start off right and make it worth their effort. I mean, if you put the investment in, then you're going to get better results quicker and build something that is more solid and more attractive. And that's what we're offering. I mean, one thing that I would love for us to do that was Robert's idea that, that we haven't really promoted or talked about, because it's like setting up a podcast, helping you do the setup, training people, walking them through, or even doing some of the services for them, that's kind of understood. But there's a hard, like if you wanted to hold a public meeting right now, Robert, and I know that you've kind of run things where you need public meetings for certain things. How would you do that? And you had a great idea of holding public meetings for folks. 
and with my technical expertise, you know, we can, and Robert's hosting ability, instead of like holding one of these Zoom social hours and trying to get people into that, and it's sort of a closed loop, you know, we can do something that streams to your Facebook page or YouTube channel, can help your public meeting get exposure. You can use that for content marketing and, and marketing purposes. Um, and that was really, I, I, what was the genesis of that idea? I don't even remember. Well, just people not wanting to be in the same room. Yeah. Um, post COVID or, or during COVID. And I've hosted dozens of public meetings and they can be in many cases required by law. And so you have to figure out a way to have them. And with Chris's, uh, as you mentioned, technical expertise, if, if you have to hold a public meeting for whatever reason and take comment and, and be able to have some give and take and interaction with the people who care about your project or care about what you have to say, uh, Leaders and Legends LLC can do that for you. You mentioned earlier about connecting with the audience and, you know, I get some, a lot of suggestions. Uh, the biggest suggestion I get from guests is they want the five questions ahead of time, which I don't like to do. And because I want to hear, I want to see and hear the thought process as they go, I don't know, which book would I recommend? There's so many, uh, but so much of the feedback has been positive. And I think it's because we have an opportunity as we wind up today's podcast to, to talk to people who have been involved in amazing things, things that, that are all stuck in our memory, either as Hoosiers residents of Indianapolis or, or just plain Americans. I think I asked Dave Arlen, or maybe it was Joe slash who got the racers hat for Hudnut didn't during the blizzard of 78, something I remember really well as a kid. I mean, who's responsible for that, that brilliant decision, which has become kind of Indianapolis's uh, visual history. I think I asked Jeff Smolian, you know, you stay in touch with OJ. Did you go to college <laughs> USC with OJ Simpson? You, you still, you still chat with OJ. Uh, that was one. Or what about uh, talking to uh, Donnie Walsh, who just retired as a uh, general manager of the Pacers, that he played a, a school age basketball game and lost and one of the players on the team uh, to to which he lost in New York City, one of the players was Anthony Fauci. Uh. And Walsh just laughed. I'd read that story. And he just laughed like, can you believe it? And that's some of the stuff that makes it fun. I mean, there's still so many podcasts yet to be launched, and we obviously want to be helpful. And I encourage people definitely to go down that road and not to underestimate how much it costs and not to under, underestimate how much time it takes because it is an investment, especially when you, when you want to do it right. But and I think you, na- you nailed it. I mean, you, you've expanded your network. Like after we did the, it'd be really hard to get an hour of time with uh, Sarah Evans Barker, just cause you want to say hi. But then once you had the podcast with her, now you're regular lunch buddies. <laughs> you know, Supposed to have lunch with her here in a few days. Right. And she was incredibly intimidating, not because of anything she said or did, but just because she's so incredibly respected and she's so brilliant. And, you know, it's the same thing. I didn't find Jim Brainerd, the mayor of Carmel, necessarily intimidating, but he's the mayor of probably the 
the textbook city in the entire country. And to talk to him about how it was formulated and how he did what he did. I mean, these are rare opportunities and I never, I never take them for granted. And to be able to talk to folks about their lives and we try to stay away from stuff that's difficult. Um, that's, that's amazing to do, to talk to uh, Chris Zorich about losing a bowl game, his final game at Notre Dame, and then he flies back to Chicago to see his mom, and she's lying dead on the floor. Yeah. And he has to break in the house. Or what about we had Lou Gehrig and Bill Morrow on, and Lou Gehrig was working at the White House on the day that Ronald Reagan was shot. He told some great stories about that day. His boss was nearly killed, James Brady. And so I, I want to do more of that in 2021, talk to more people who were involved in, in big events, uh, memorable events, the things that we all can, can recall for good or for ill. It wasn't this year. It was last year. But we had Tim Swearens on uh, who witnessed the execution of Ted Bundy. <laughs> That's incredible. And so... I'm very grateful for your help. I'm grateful to our sponsors. I'm grateful, obviously, to the audience. Um, we always, I've had several good suggestions. You know, you need to have this person on. You should talk to this person. I don't know everybody. I'm lucky enough to know a lot of terrific people, but um, I'm always uh, welcome to suggestions. You can give them to or send them to me at leadersandlegends.net. If you want to start a podcast or you want to, I get some podcast consulting. Uh, Chris Spangle is handling the vast, vast majority of that. Nobody knows more. I'm telling you that right now. If you, the answer to your question of how do I, the answer is Chris Spangle. <laughs> well, thank you. Check us out at leadersandlegends.net. Leadersandlegends.net. You have been listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, the law firm of Bose, McKinney, and Evans, and the Bose Public Affairs Group, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. I also, before we sign off, thank you, Chris, for another great year. Also thank need you. to thank, please, Wish TV and in the All Indiana Podcast Network.com. That's been the big event for us as far as broadening our scope and our megaphone. They're terrific partners, and we're very, very blessed to have them uh, to be on their radar because there's certainly a, a lot of significant podcasts they could partner with and do partner with, and we enjoy it very much. Please send any of your podcasts suggestions to me or chris at leaders www.leadersandlegends.net thank you for everything thank you for listening and look forward to a terrific and hopefully better 2021 thank you very much for listening to leaders and legends brought to you by veteran strategies incorporated if you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's Robert at VeteranStrategies.com. Mm-hmm.